Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 108. Today we're talking about good versus bad parenting habits. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you are going to give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of peace and cooperation. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I'm the mom of two girls. They're going to have their birthday soon, and oh my God, they're going to be. My oldest is going to be 11. Yikes. And my youngest is still seven. Crazy pants. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope that you are having some peace in your day. And if you're new, a special welcome to you if you're coming back. Awesome. Rock on. So glad to have you connected to again. This is very cool. Today, I'm having one of my monthly conversations with my good friend, Carla Nomberg, and we're going to be talking about good versus bad parenting habits and thinking about, you know, what are those good parenting habits that we should be cultivating and what are the bad habits that we really want to drop. And Maybe how do we even want to think about good versus bad? So this is going to be, I hope this is going to really help you wake up to some things and and bring some awareness to some things. And I think it'll help you wherever you are on your parenting journey for sure. So this episode will be great as always with my dear friend Carla. 
And what's going on right now is that if you are listening to this in real time, next week we are starting the free live mindful parenting training week. And this is a really unique opportunity to work with me live. I'll be doing live teaching every single day, Monday through Friday, and it's all for free. And and if you can't make it live, we will record it. But it's a very powerful event. We had thousands of people last year, and I can't wait for you to, to be part of it this year. You're going to learn all kinds of things, the parenting myth that your pediatrician gets wrong, and how to create peace and cooperation without losing your temper. And it's all for free. And we get to interact live. So I hope you'll be there and be part of it. It's at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. So be part of it. We'll help you cultivate those good parenting habits. And, And that's it. We'll dive right into this episode. Enjoy. Carla, thank you so much for coming back to the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh, Hunter, it's always a pleasure to be here with you. Yes, I'm so glad you're here. So today we're talking about good versus bad parenting habits, and I'm excited to talk about this with you because I know you're going to make it real. And But first, I want you to introduce yourself, my friend. Oh, okay. My name is Carla Nomberg, and I... I'm a parent coach and a speaker and a clinical social worker and an author, and I've written two books. The first one was called Parenting in the Present Moment, How to Stay Focused on What Really Matters. And the second book was called Ready, Set, Breathe, Practicing Mindfulness with Your Children for Fewer Meltdowns and a More Peaceful Family. And I'm currently working on my third book, and I'm not going to say the actual title because I don't want Hunter to have to bleep the podcast again, but it's How to Stop Losing Your Beep with your kids, except for it's not a beep in the title. So that book will be out sometime in like 2019. You're so smart. Oh, and I have two kids. <laughs> That's good. I'm a little snarky. I have two daughters who are seven and nine and two crazy cats and a husband. Oh my God. Carla, my daughters are about to be, my oldest daughter is about to turn 11. I'm pretty <gasps> So my daughter and I were just having a debate yesterday, you might call it, about what officially is a tween. And so she's almost nine and a half. So she's insisting that a 10-year-old is a tween. And I said, no. Is an 11-year-old a tween? What, is 12? I don't know. Is this a thing? What do we know? That's a good question. I don't know. I think your daughter might technically be right that it's like 10 to to 12 because they're not, because when you're 13, you're a teenager, but when you're a tween, you're, I don't know. Horrible? (laughs) <laughs> no, not horrible. No, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. Oh, the eye rolls we shall endure. <laughs> Didn't you just put out a podcast about how the teenagers aren't that bad? I should listen to that. Like yeah. now and then every week for like the next eight years, I should listen to that. <laughs> yeah. Just put on like repeat. It's podcast 105 with Dr. John Duffy. He's pretty awesome. So all right. yes, yes, he has good news about the teen years. Listen to it, friends. Does it involve boarding schools? <laughs> No, sorry, that's not the point. Sorry. No, okay. We could move to We're England. Good. Don't they all go to boarding school in England? That's my I was just watching The Crown, and so from The Crown, yes, it would seem so, although perhaps The Crown is not as relevant to my life as it may initially seem. But Wait, The Crown is great. If you haven't did, watched it, it's great. Did you see the episode where the young prince has to go to boarding school, and it's like this boarding school where they're running every day in bare feet and frigid cold? That's the one I just saw, and I was like, oh my God. is that really 
like what a king needs to be trained to do like run barefoot isn't like the last thing a future king would do i don't know <laughs> i know but maybe i should be training my girls because now that megan markle is marrying in you never know my girls might be marrying in someday she is opening up so many doors it's true it's true the, the queen's relaxing and megan go megan I know. Although, I don't know, after watching The Crown, it doesn't seem like the most emotionally family to be marrying into. No. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to be a royal. That does not. Oh, my goodness. So. Okay, focus. Let's focus here. Mindful. Focus. Mindful. <laughs> so, I was thinking that we made a little list of good versus bad parenting habits and they, they come into some different realms and i think that the first thing on our list is really kind of apropos for us right now because i'm fighting a cold and carla's fighting pneumonia or recovering from it so the first thing on our the first two things on our list really come into play for both of us here which is self-care and self-compassion and so can i jump in hunter because before we get into what we think are the difference between good and bad parenting habits, I would like to reframe the whole conversation about good and bad. All right. And I have to give a shout out to my mindfulness peeps here because it was really in one of my first mindfulness meditation retreats that I learned about this and it was like mind blowing for me. So often we talk about like, is something good or bad as if the habit or the person or the whatever has an inherent good or badness built into it. It is mm. just inherently good or bad. And yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So when we decide something is good, it's just good. And that's the deal. And when we decide something is bad, it's just bad. And there's nothing we can do to make it unbad. And then if we do something bad, then we are bad people or bad parents or whatever. And I think that's not a super helpful approach because good and bad is so heavy and laden and eh. And so the word that I was introduced to, that's a very popular word in the mindfulness world, is this idea that something is skillful. So are we talking about skillful habits or unskillful habits? And so then the question is, how do you decide if something is skillful or unskillful? And what I would say is that the way we do this, and I'm going to speak specifically about parenting, is it really comes back to our values. So what do we value? What is our value that we are bringing to parenting? Or what do we want for our children someday? What are the values we want to instill in them or that we want to create as a family? And we may get our values from our parents, from our community, from just something inside us that we know is inherently important. And some of them may come from our children. They may show us or introduce us to ideas that we weren't even aware of. And so I think of a skillful habit as one that brings us closer to living a life that is congruent with our values and an unskillful habit or behavior is one that takes us farther away from those values. So for example, you know, I heard once about this family that like took their newborns and went off and were like, what's it called when you go with the sled dogs and you're like in Alaska and mud smudges? I don't know, whatever. They, they were like living, mushing, not mudging, mushing. It's like dog sledding. Fine. You know, with the, yeah, okay. My kid did a whole unit on this. I don't remember any of it. All right. Anyways. So the point is they spend a whole lot of time like being outside in the freezing cold with their kids, doing all these things to support this lifestyle. Cause they were essentially like out sled dogging with their baby and they were making choices and engaging in habits that I would say for my family are terribly unskillful. Like it wouldn't work for us on so many levels, but for their family, 
they were really skillful choices because it was bringing them closer to this life they valued. Now, I think we can argue that there are some choices, I think, that are pretty clearly unskillful parenting habits, such as hitting your kids. I, I don't really ever see that as a skillful choice now, but the interesting thing is we all know that there are people in this world that will say there's a time and place when using physical punishment is a skillful choice. And so it's really interesting to think about how there's so many different perspectives on this. And what really matters is when we as parents can take a little time, and often it's pretty clear, and sometimes we need the support of our fellow parents or a clergy member or a therapist or you know, our parents or grandparents or somebody to help us get clear on our values. But when we can get clear on what do we really value for our family and our children, that will help us get a better sense of what is a skillful habit and what isn't a skillful habit. So I hope that makes sense. That, that's beautiful. And I really appreciate the framing of this conversation that way because, because yeah, we all have these different values. Like there may, I'm sure there's plenty of listeners who may consider themselves, for instance, uh, you know, attachment parenting parents. And so they may value sleeping with their kids in their bed versus many other parents may value their sleep and having, you know, making sure that they're getting enough sleep and all of those <laughs> things. So they might, they might be right. helping their child to sleep comfortably in their own room. And those, that's not good versus bad. It's just like, what are you valuing and what's helpful for you and your lifestyle? And I think that's a way of, of framing it. And exactly. And in that whole idea, of, it kind of comes back to our, the mindfulness attitude of non-judgment, right? Yes. Good, good and bad is like, well, we're creating this sort of judgment about this and, and putting these in one box versus the other. But yeah, when we think about this is helpful or not helpful or skillful or unskillful, then it helps to kind of soften that habit of judgment that can make us suffer and make us- Oh, that's suffer. such a good point. And, and I think the other last point I would put on this is that what is skillful or unskillful in our lives can change over time as we change and as our children change. And I think if you spend a lot of time thinking this is good and this is bad, you can kind of get stuck in that. And then if you get to a point in your life where things are kind of flipping on their heads, um, it can be hard to change a habit when it needs to be changed if you've already decided that it's bad or good. And so I think this ability to take this, shall we say, mindful approach and kind of see your current situation as clearly as you can so that you can adjust your habits, it's, it'll be easier to do that if you understand that the whole point is to make choices that are congruent with your values. So Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think about that all the time when we think about habits that we have from our childhood, right? Like we may have had strategies that we developed as kids that were great and worked really well for us in certain moments, right? You know, maybe being defensive or whatever it may have been. And those strategies aren't so great, you know, as we become adults. So yes. Parents and things like that. Okay, well, cool. I, I love that. So I'm, I'm really glad you framed in there, but we are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's a sword fight. 
And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, or Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. I think that, I think that looking in the good versus bad category though, or the skillful versus unskillful category, I think that self-care really has to come in there first. Absolutely though, because I can't really picture a scenario where that's not skillful because kind of seems crazy to me when people think that, you know, I I put myself last because that seems, how how are you ever going to care for anyone else if you're putting yourself last and not taking care of your own needs? So, so I really, for as far as I'm when, as I was thinking about these things, I, I do think self-care really has to, has to be like a, one of those important priorities and, and a good habit to be into and, and a good habit also to start when our kids are babies, you know, and when our kids are babies, their, their needs are so much more immediate, but, and our needs can often be, can wait We have that adult ability to wait, but, you know, we can't put aside our need for sleep, for nourishing food, for taking care of our bodies, for time with friends and all of those things back forever. I think it's a good habit. And I am really speaking to the parents of young kids and babies that are maybe even if you're pregnant, it's a good to make it a habit. I think right from the beginning to make valuing self-care a habit. And I think, I mean, this is such an excellent point. And I think it's also important to remember that our self-care, especially when you have young children in the house, is going to ebb and flow. And if you think that it's going to be a thing where it's like, 
every day I do my exercise for half an hour and every single day I get this many hours of sleep. I mean, if you've been in this habit before you had kids where it was a very consistent routine, it really, my experience is that unless you have like an au pair or a nanny or something, it really gets shaken up when you have kids. And that's why I think it requires this sort of ongoing awareness because there will be times, I mean, I've been sick now for over a month, as you mentioned, not well. And I, I really had to make self-care a priority, which means I was asking friends for help bringing my kids home. There were times when I would say, sorry, hon, like I can't join for family dinner. I need to go lay down. Like because I was sick, I really had to focus on my self-care. And then there are other times where my kids need me. And so I am up all night with them because they're sick or I, you know, they're home from school. And so I can't get my quiet time or my exercise or whatever it is in. And it really becomes, self-care becomes a much more dynamic situation where there are going to be times when we put our self-care aside, but then we have to reorient ourselves back into that place. And so it's just, it's a different, it's a different way of caring for ourselves than it was before we had children. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is different and change, but it it's like I think the the idea of making it a habit is like the idea of making it part of your value that's part of your everyday life all the way through, right? Yes. And, and seeing that it ebbs and change. So maybe we can contrast that with maybe a bad habit or an unskillful habit. Unskillful. Right? Yes. Unskillful habit, which might be I think and this kind of goes with this thinking about this idea of well, maybe let's do this. Let's go through the good habits first or the skillful habits, and then let's go through some of the unskillful habits, right? Sure. So some other skillful habits that, that we've gathered together here are the idea of self-compassion and forgiveness. And yeah, self-compassion, oh my gosh, is so huge. It all comes back to this in so many ways because we think we can like do X thing and then we'll be there. And, and we're always going to be human. We're always going to be imperfect. We're always going to make mistakes. It's just the way we are. And we just have to expect that of ourselves, that we're not going to get the A plus grade in every single thing we do every day. And that self-compassion and self, you know, forgiveness, I think, goes along with this in a way when you think about self-forgiveness, right? It really underlies everything because, you know, as we talked about in our last podcast together, I mean, even research is showing that it's one of the ways that people can grow and change when they have an attitude of self-compassion. It's, it's the ground that helps you to, to be able to make steps in a new direction. What does it mean? It means when you make a mistake, when you're human, the idea, or even maybe when you're sick or you're not having enough energy, the idea is talking to yourself in such a way that you know, hey, this is hard. We made a mistake. It's not easy. Offering yourself the kind of language, you know, in your mind that you might offer a friend. What do you have to say about this, Carla? Yeah, I mean, 100% agreed. And what I want to say to every parent out there is this. You're going to screw up at parenting. I don't even know you. I don't know anything about your kids, but I know you're going to screw up at parenting because you're a human being, right? And we all screw up. And I've screwed up at parenting and I will screw up at parenting again and I say this just to remind you that this is normal. It's typical. It's what we all do. And it's okay. Like nobody expects any of us to be perfect. 
And our kids don't need perfect. And thank goodness we can't be perfect for them because then after they, you know, let's say we were, after they leave our perfect little castle of joy and happiness and organic mac and cheese and go out in the real world where like people aren't perfect, they would have no idea how to deal with it. So I would like to say that I, as a parent, not to brag or anything, am doing an amazing job preparing myself for preparing my children (laughs) for the vast sea of imperfection they will face when they go out in the world. And so I just say this because this is the voice that I try to use with myself. I mean, I also have this other voice in my head, right? That's like, oh my gosh, you're screwing them up. You need to do better. How can you be such a jerk? Like, why did you do that? Why did you yell at them again? Why haven't you signed them up for an instrument? Blah, 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 blah. Like it's endless, right? It could go on forever. I could start a podcast that's just me berating myself. And I'm not saying anybody listen to it, but I'm saying like, that's how much there is there. And so we need to like constantly find that place and make that space and really hear that voice that just says, it's okay. Like, this is just part of the deal. It's all right. And, you know, take care of yourself and carry on. It's like that little thing, keep calm and carry on, you know, screw up and carry on. It's all right. And if you're in a place where you can't summon that voice for yourself, where you can't summon that kindness and gentleness and forgiveness, again, you're not alone. Go out and find the people who can. You know, go find your friends or your family or that one person who you can share this with and who can hold it and and maybe laugh at you in a really nice, not jerky way or like remind you of a time when they screwed up and can remind you that you're still connected. You're still part of this world. And, you know, welcome to the club of people who screw up. There's like 15 billion of us. How many? I don't know how many humans there are. So (laughs) 15 billion. I think like seven. No, billion. I said billion. Aren't there like billions? There, are, I think we have seven billion people on Earth or something. Like okay, that. I was only off by like double, hundred percent, fifty percent. Whatever. The point is, everybody screws up. That's the point. That's it's my true. brilliant insight for the day. It's true, and that really goes into the unskillful parenting habit, which is perfectionism. Like when we, our babies are born, we are like, we are going to do everything right for, you know, we're great parents until we're parents. And then, you know, we're going to do everything right. right. We're going to have, for me, I was going to have all the, all the wooden toys, (laughs) all the organic clothes, whatever, you know, I'm never going to yell all that stuff. And the truth is perfectionism. Sometimes in our culture, we kind of get this idea that it can be maybe a good idea to be a little bit perfectionist because everything is just so and people will admire us and we'll get good grades and whatnot. But uh, I think what we need to remember is that perfectionism equals never good enough. Like nothing oh, totally. is ever good enough. And that's a horrible place to live your life from, the feeling that nothing is ever good enough. And we don't want to model that for our kids because they're learning from how we live. So if we live from this place of I'm never good enough, then you know what? Probably your kids will never be good enough either. And it's this place of fear. And when we see that in ourselves, like all we can do is come back again to that self-compassion. Oh, perfectionism again. Hello, old friend. I see you there. You know, this is hard. And, you know, maybe this is from my parents and this isn't, it's hard for them too. This isn't easy. And let's soften, right? How can we soften that perfectionism a little bit? Absolutely. And I want to throw in there that this isn't just something that has to exist entirely in our own brains, like that we need to be compassionate and stuff. But I think also figuring out if there are aspects of your life or your environment or your, the information you take in that are feeding that part of you that wants to be perfect. So 
like if you are spending a lot of time on Pinterest, which I don't spend a lot of time on because I don't really understand it, but also I can't deal. Or if there are people in your life that you feel like just somehow kind of trigger you with something, and they may be doing it intentionally or not intentionally, but that really you find that you are getting triggered to that place of, I should be better, I should be doing, and you're shooting all over yourself and it's terrible. That was not a swear word, Hunter. That was I not. I said, should I, we're good. Okay. We're good. All right. All right. Thank you. I'm trying. You can try to limit that exposure. And I'll give you an example. You know, those of you who have followed my writing know that I don't like cooking. I, I really want nothing to do with food acquisition or preparation, but I'm all about the consumption. I'm good there. And this is an ongoing struggle for me to like want to cook for my kids. And so for a long time, I would like subscribe to these websites where these like happy women are like, look at my child. She's eating parsley from the garden that I grew. And it's like, oh my God, my kids think, my, first of all, my kids don't even know what parsley is, but they think vegetables come from the freezer section. But like, I, this is not my thing. And I realized that in my attempts to become a better parent, you know, that I was trying to follow these recipes that I was never going to cook. I was actually making myself feel worse. Like I was like, there's somebody out there who's perfect. And I'm so far away from that, that I was feeling more and more stuck. And I stopped subscribing to all those things. And I just started trying to figure it out on my own and I'm getting a little bit better. Like I actually roasted chicken for the first time the other day and it was okay. I didn't poison anyone. I didn't burn it. It was all right. But the point is that if there is, like it's a process and I'm working on it and I'm being very gentle and trying to be really compassionate with myself about it. But if you are exposing yourself and this is when it's useful to be really, if you are exposing yourself, I didn't mean that. That's not where I meant to leave. That. <laughs> That's a different conversation for another podcast. Hi, here we go. We finished that sentence. If you're exposing yourself to information or websites or books or whatever TV shows that are really triggering self-doubt, self-blame, shame, perfectionism, just stop looking at them. You don't, there's a lot of other sources of information. You don't need to look at those. So that's, that's my long-winded story about that. No, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, the sources of media you take in, we just don't even realize the impact they make on our lives. Like I remember I used to go to the YMCA and I would look at, I would use it as like a time to read cheesy magazines while I was on the stair mill. And I could see like this, this, thoughts popping into my head like I should have a good red lipstick (laughs) and it was so you know it was just like oh my gosh I could see the direct correlation okay so but look guys listeners dear listeners humor is an extremely skillful parenting habit see what I'm doing here Hunter I'm bringing this back around and one of my favorite quotes and I think I think it was some famous author whose name I can't remember who originally said it. Listeners, please write in when you know this. Life is way too serious to be taken seriously. Mm. And parenting is just so much easier and more fun when you can laugh at yourself and laugh at your kids in a loving way that doesn't shame them. And now that my daughter is like a burgeoning tween, I can no longer laugh at her because no matter what, she gets all puffy about it. But the point is... (laughs) Welcome to my world. I know. Gosh. (laughs) You can't wait till we get through that, but she's adorable. I really do love her. But the point is, like, just laugh about it. You have to because it's so insane. It's all so insane. So I think humor is a very skillful parenting habit as long as you're not hurting someone's feelings. Yes, yes. Humor and fun, you know, and, and humor can be in so many different ways. Like when we think about parenting, right? We're thinking about how we are interacting with our kids on a moment to moment basis. And so the idea of humor, bringing that into that in some of those moments can be so good. And I 
I'm so psyched for myself, like when I actually remember to do those, do that in some of those moments, because it can be really hard to remember. But like, you know, to occasionally I'll say, I'll just do whatever, you know, I'll say whatever in a crazy voice, you know, I'll be like, oh my goodness, the table needs to be cleared still, you know, like, or a robot, do it as a robot, I think is always a good one to fall back on. What's your best activate, humor? Activate robot procedures. <laughs> I do really, really awful British voices that I'm not going to do now, and I don't want my beloved, I'm somewhat of an anglophile, and so I don't want any of my British friends to like, think I'm being offensive, so I won't do it. Also, a lot of weird noises. Sometimes I make fart sounds with my mouth. It's true. I do it. We do a lot of, like, Captain Underpants. I love that movie. My kids love that movie. So there's a lot of tra-la-laing around our house. I don't actually strip down to my underwear and run around, in case you all were wondering, but we do run through the house saying tra-la-la a lot. So, look, just being silly. And one of the things I find is that in a really tense moment, sometimes it can be a great way to just sort of diffuse the tension, get everybody back on track, because... Not every uncomfortable moment has to be discussed and resolved. As my husband, who's the son of a social worker and the husband of a social worker likes to say, talking about things just makes them worse, which I don't think is always true. But I think that sometimes, or maybe it's just me, maybe the rest of the listeners won't understand this because they're not all social workers. I don't know. But sometimes I think we can get into this parenting place that like every moment has to be a learning opportunity and you have to dissect and discuss and bring closure to every moment. And I don't think so. Like sometimes like, you know, a well-timed fart noise can really diffuse. (laughs) But I think that, you know, the point is that like you can just be funny and diffuse a situation and get somebody out of a bad mood and move on. Right. So I think that and, and it's just a nice, people feel connected when they laugh together. Why are we still, I think the more we talk about humor, the less funny it's going to become. So maybe we should just. Well, I think the corresponding unskillful habit there is taking things too personally. And this also goes along with comparing yourself to other parents as well in the unskillful range of, of habits, ways of thinking. Oh. But taking things too personally is a big one. I find in my mindful parenting course, like, the idea that in our, we tell this story to ourselves in our heads that our child did this in order to manipulate us or do something to us or because of us, whereas really often our child's behaviors and habits tell us more about what's going on for them at that moment or what they say. You know, especially, I think even especially sometimes as we get into sort of the teen and tween years, but also when they're younger, it has way less to do about us than it does to do with them and whatever's going on with them and whatever needs they have at this moment. And when we can start to step back and not take it so personally and say, okay, I wonder what's going on here with a little bit of curiosity, it, it really helps things enormously. So taking things personally is, is definitely in that unskillful habits. And it kind of goes along with like, when we take things too personally, it's almost like we're overly involved or overly connected and there our kid stuff becomes about us and we've got to take a step back and get a little bit of distance and actually kind of get a little care less <laughs> about our kids so that we can let give them the chance to be themselves and to be you know make their own mistakes and and not take it all so personally sometimes we have our our standards for kids are way higher than they are for for other adults right i guess i'm kind of pointing to the idea of like taking a step back. Oh, I love that. And I think one of my favorite 
antidotes when I get sort of too wrapped up in my own family, like, oh, my kid's doing this and I'm doing that. And how did I create this habit? And why, you know, and I get this whole like narrative in my head. One of my favorite antidotes for that is just going to spend time with other families with kids the same age or going to a park or somewhere where other kids are around. And I see those other kids doing a lot of the same stuff my kids are doing. And I'm like, oh, right. My kid isn't the only one who talks at like decibel 300 all the time. But, you know, I'm constantly like, can you not yell at me? Can you not yell? Like, let's stop yelling. Or, you know, my kid isn't the only one who, I don't know, wanders around their finger up her nose or although we're getting better about that. But like, <laughs> it's just really helpful to see similar dynamics. And I think that's why it's really important to find your parenting peeps, as I call them with my coaching clients, like the people you can relate to. So if you've got a parent with special needs, or I'm sorry, if you've got a kid with special needs, or if you're raising a child in a bilingual family, or if you're raising a child in a certain religious or cultural tradition, it's really useful to spend time, if you can, with families who are in similar situations, because I think it can really be helpful to sort of get out of your own head a little bit and remember, like, you're not alone in what's going on and you shouldn't take it so personally. So I think that's a great point. And I mentioned getting out into the park, which will help us transition to what I think is another skillful parenting habit. And I know it doesn't work as well for every family, depending on where you live or whatever, but I find that time spent outside for most kids, I I haven't yet met a kid who doesn't benefit from time spent outside. I have met some parents who don't love being outside, but maybe they could get outside anyways. I don't know. I don't want to be judgmental, but think about your values. I do find that getting some fresh air, getting away from screen time, from dishwashers that need to be loaded or unloaded, from the clutter inside the house, and just being in a place where you can kind of move your body or see the natural world, I find for me and for many families I know is a very skillful parenting choice just for everybody's sort of mood and perspective and all that good stuff. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. 
I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Yeah, yes, I agree. I think getting outside is a great, skillful parenting habit, a habit to get into in it. It can be a habit you get into with your kids. Like, so for instance, with my kids on Saturday, they have a certain amount of screen time. But before they do that screen time, <laughs> they have to take care of their responsibilities of like their teeth and, and whatever responsibilities they have around the house as far as their stuff and dishes and whatnot. And they also need to go outside for at least 10 minutes <laughs> is uh, something we've implemented in the house. Cause I just, it drove me crazy to come home. Like if I went and did a yoga class or something on a Saturday morning to come home and it was almost lunchtime and no one had been outside yet. And I was like, this is crazy because I just, for me, that in time in nature is a really important value. And so my kids are cool with that. And then when it got down to like 10 degrees this winter, we said, okay, you have to spend 10 seconds outside. <laughs> but we just kind of kept this habit a little bit going just in acknowledging that habit. And, you know, one thing that we're doing this year that is a great way to check off two good parenting habits at once is we have connected with some friends of ours in, in our neighborhood, and we have all rented cabins at a state park in August. So I'm telling people now this time of year, because you have to, do, if you want to do this thing, you can't do it last minute. You have to like do it months and months ahead of time. But anyway, we're renting cabins at the state park, and we're all going to go you know, camping, cabin camping. Awesome. It's, not, it's not terribly like stressful, but you know, yeah, like let's get my kids outside all day long for three or four days. You know, I just love that. And I, I think my kids find it so, they love it so much. It's just so healing for them. As much as they, they talk about how they want the, their screen time and et cetera, like it really is, you can see how they thrive and they feel so good and they just are so connected and relaxed, enthused when they're outside. It really is healing, I think. Now, if any of our listeners out there are feeling a little overwhelmed by the thought of taking their kids camping, um, <laughs> please know you're not alone. I have not taken my kids camping and I've done a lot of camping in my life before I had kids and the thought of it right now sounds really horrible. So sometimes <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. But sometimes for me, like my husband and I do take our kids on like day hikes. And if you think we're some like happy little Von Trapp family marching through like the mountains singing, please know we're not. Like there's a whole lot of whining and complaining and bargaining. And the line, you know, we have in our family is we are a walking family. And if you're going to be part of this family, you're going to walk. And of course the implication would be if they don't walk, we're going to kick them out of the family, which really isn't true. So we haven't quite figured that out yet. But two of the tricks we've found is going with other families can help because then the kids are more interested in the hike and they have friends to run around with. And then just straight up bribery. Like we knew at one point that we were going to take them to Disney World. And I was like, this is training for Disney World because if you can't walk a long day, I'm not taking you. <laughs> so, but yes, my kids will put up a fuss every time I say we're going for a walk and then we get out there and they're, they're generally fine. Sometimes we do spend the whole time bitching, but whatever. But sometimes for us outside time is literally like you have an orthodontist appointment and the orthodontist is four blocks away and we're walking. So that I just don't want parents to think that it has to be some major endeavor. It can be like, sometimes my husband takes the girls on what he likes to call forced marches and he's like, we're walking around the block. And that's what it is. They literally go for a walk around the block and come home. And so it can really be little things. And I just want parents to know that. Also, if you're lucky enough to have any sort of yard or sometimes like just taking the kids to the backyard and being like, figure it out. There's a stick. Go play with it. You know, sometimes the more practice kids get at that, the better they get. 
mm-hmm. at being able to handle that. And sometimes for us, it's just like eating dinner on the front porch, mm-hmm. you know, just having some fresh air. But Hunter, you, you mentioned Saturday morning and screen time. So I want to take a moment and touch on screen and social media time as a parenting habit. And here's what I will say. There were times, especially as a new mother, when I was trapped on a couch in the middle of the night with a sleeping baby on me who wouldn't go to bed, that time spent on Facebook was very helpful because I felt connected to other parents and I felt less alone. And there are many, many useful aspects about social media in terms of connecting over resources and sharing useful information and finding support groups and Hunter's awesome offerings through Facebook that I think are really supportive Facebook groups. Like there's good stuff. But I would say that for me, what I have learned is that too much screen and social media time for me and for my children is an unskillful habit. And I have found that I took the month of January largely off Facebook. And I would say it was generally a less anxious month for me, a better month. I felt more present. And so I am spending significantly less time on social media. We generally have the TV turned off in our house. It's not on in the background. My kids get they get to watch a show probably three or four days a week, like a 20 minute show on Netflix or something. And then sometimes we'll watch a movie on the weekends and that's about it. And, you know, when we travel or when they're sick, they can pretty much fry their little brains as much as they want on screen time. So they're really excited about an upcoming trip because they know they get iPad time on the airplane. And I'm like, yes, that's the love of travel. I was hoping to instill in you, not learning about other cultures (laughs) and people. It's, you know, screen time, whatever. That's Um, exactly what my girls look forward to for flying. I know. I could watch four movies in a row. <laughs> uh, we've entered, what's it called? That game. Oh my God. My kids say this word constantly. How do I not remember it? It's the game where you can build things with like. Minecraft. Oh, oh my, my God. God. My girls are so oh. into that too. <laughs> it's so painful. And fun, like my daughter will talk endlessly about it. And finally I'll say, I don't want you to talk about Minecraft anymore. If you need to talk about it, you can talk to your sister or the cats. Like I can't listen. <laughs> And I guess it's a good thing, but I I do limit their time. But anyways, I think I would just, but I also know there's a wide spectrum of what's skillful because I remember reading this beautiful story in the New York Times a few years ago about a dad, the dad wrote it about his quite autistic son who I think, excuse me if I get the details wrong, I think the son was mute and ultimately found a way to connect through other people. And it was through Disney cartoon movies. Like he watched Disney movies over and over and over and over again, like constantly. And it turned out that that was actually, that screen time was a super skillful choice for that boy. And so I recognize that there is a range out there, but I would just encourage parents to notice, like, how do they feel? When, how is their mood? How does their body tension feel? What's going on for them when they're staring at Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram? And what's going on for their kids? Like my kids after like two TV shows, if I let them watch 40 minutes of TV, they turn into little monsters. Like they, something about it really impacts their mood and they're cranky and irritable, but 20 minutes they can handle. So we watch a 20 minute show. And I do work with a lot of parents whose kids are in these unskillful habits of spending a huge amount of time on screens. And then it's really hard to get them outside. They're pretty cranky. They're irritable. They're just not happy. And changing those habits can feel, it can be an extremely painful transition, but it's really, really worth it. So I just, I want to put that up there. I think in general, I am going to say that I think too much screen time is an unskillful habit for everybody in the family. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. And thinking about the idea of screen time, we also want to think about before we wrap up here, this, I also think it's very skillful to think about rhythms, right? Rhythms of creating rhythms and and creating habits in your days. Like for instance, about screen time, like one of our habits is that we don't do 
screen time a half an hour before we go to bed because we know that the light shining in their eyes can make it hard for them to sleep, right? So we have a habit of reading before bed. And many people start with a habit of like, you know, giving the baby a bath before bed because it might be relaxing or, you know, and but then of course these these habits sort of shift over time. But there are so many, gosh, I feel like we could we could have skillful versus unskillful habits like kind of going on and on. But it's really skillful, I think, to be in the habit of, of giving your kids as they get older more responsibilities. For instance, my daughter who's in fifth grade always makes her lunch. And I think, you know, for us, that's a really skillful habit, you know, because then she's taking care of things and she's, she's and learning. You don't have to make lunch. Them. And I don't have to make lunch, which is great. Winning. Yeah. Win-win situation as far as I'm concerned. And then, you know, maybe a bad habit might be, you know, or unskillful habit kind of a conversely to that might be that screen time right up until bedtime and not realizing that then that makes your kid a little wired or also maybe the habit of, of doing everything for your kids. You know, that's, it's really right. good for them to have, it's good for them to have responsibilities and, and it's good for you to model that everybody pitches in and, and takes care of things. And, can be really hard to establish, but you can establish that with conversations, you know, without threatening and and shaming and blaming, but with, you know, talking to kids about, hey, you know, I'm feeling frustrated because I'm doing all of these things. Here, these are all the things I'm doing. Actually, we did this the other day. It was Sunday morning. My girls were like lounging around reading graphic novels. And we, Bill and I were like, cleaning up the dishes and putting out the, you know, putting out the recycling and all these things. And we were like, you know, we just said, we feel like we're doing a lot of stuff here. And I feel like, you know, the girls could do some things on Sunday mornings. So we said, okay, here are all the things we're doing on Sunday mornings. And we showed them this list. And Sora said, okay, I'll do, I'll take other recycling. Recycling. And Maggie said, she'll vacuum. And I, I mean, I swear I was totally amazed at how easy it was. Now, Granted, there will probably be some prodding and reminding in the future, but it actually was, it doesn't have to always be like, a fight, like when you start to establish good communication habits and, and things like that, you can you can have these conversations with your kids and talk about, hey, I'm needing this, you know, can you pitch in? And, and they might actually just, it might be easier than you think is kind of what I want to say about that. And I think kids like, oftentimes, not always, but kids like helping, like my kids sort their own laundry and put it away because they feel empowered. They feel like they can do something. They feel competent and confident and it helps. Now, the one thing I want to leave parents with as we're wrapping up is a habit is something we do most of the time. It doesn't have to be something we do all of the time. And so, for example, this habit of decreasing the amount of screen time, just for example, like I said, when my kids are sick or when we're traveling, they get a lot of screen time. And so you don't have to be super rigid about it. You don't have to hold yourself, again, to these perfect standards. And when you're asking your kids to help out, you know, my kids always empty their backpacks at the end of the day and put all their little Tupperwares and ice packs away and stuff. But every once in a while, there's a day when they're just exhausted or they don't feel well. And they say, mommy, can you do it for me? And I do, because I know that there are times when my husband does stuff for me that I can do perfectly well for myself, but I'm just having a crappy day or I don't feel good. And it feels nice when he takes care of me in that way. So as parents, that's really where the mindfulness piece comes in, like coming into the present moment is this a time when I really need to focus on upholding this habit? Or is this a time where the more skillful choice is to let it go and be more flexible because that happens? So I just want to, maybe that's my sort of final thought on the habits for today is that even with the skillful and unskillful habits, we're not looking for perfection in those. 
we're just looking for what's sort of the most skillful choice we can make in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great, that's a great way to, to wrap it up. So just recap some of the good parenting habits we talked about were self-care, self-compassion, forgiveness, fun, outside time, and, and limiting screen time. Some of the unskillful habits were, you know, thinking about maybe you can drop and, and practice to drop, uh, berating yourself when you miss the mark and this perfectionism, not caring for yourself or too much screen time, too much social media time, and not asking for help around the house. So I think maybe those are the, those are the ones we covered, right? Did I miss any, Carla? No, that's everything we talked about. I think the last one I want to throw in here, which is a personal favorite of mine, just really quickly, is sleep. Like sleep is such a skillful parenting habit. And I I think you have either two choices when it comes to sleep. Either you can get some sleep, which will make everything easier, or because you have a baby or a sick kid or whatever, life happens and you can't get some sleep, that's when you really need to ramp up the self-compassion the next day because your day is going to be harder. You're not going to be as effective as you want to be. And you just need to you know, have some empathy for yourself, have some compassion, because it's really hard to function when you are exhausted and sleep deprived. So I'm going to throw in sleep as a skillful parenting habit. And that's really the last thing I'm going to say about it until I think of something else. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you on the sleep. It's so, so, so essential. And, and it just is, needs to be valued for sure. So listener, I'm wondering, you know, what did we miss? What good parenting habit do you have that, that you, would, you want to share? And what do you think are unskillful habits, you know, that you would like to drop or that you think are just unskillful habits? You can let us know over at mindfulmamapodcast.com and, and find the page for this show, which will be, gosh, let me see. I could, I could even, I'm so organized right now, Carla. So isn't that amazing? I'm so proud of myself. So yeah, you can come and- You made your kids number the podcast, didn't you? That's why you know. You were like, Maggie, sorry, you're numbering the podcast. (laughs) I am doing too much podcast numbering. You guys number the podcast now. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So I use good versus bad, skillful versus unskillful parenting habits maybe are are getting you thinking about what you want to create as a habit in your life as something that you, you know, value in your everyday life. I hope that self-compassion is absolutely in there. And I wish you a beautiful week. And, and Carla, I thank you for coming on to talk to me as always. I'm so psyched to talk to you. Next month, we're going to talk about how to make time for meditation, right? Yeah, easy. Hire a nanny. Done. Boom. Moving <laughs> oh, no, yeah. no, we don't need to do the podcast anymore. We're all done. All right. No, no, no. We're going to have a great conversation about it, how to make time for meditation. I I love this topic because I think it's something that pretty much every meditator struggles with. So I think it's a really good topic. Yes. And for our wannabe meditators, this is for you. Don't, don't be scared. You should listen. Come back. We won't bite. Oh, yeah. And even <laughs> if you think meditation is bonkers, you should come listen anyways, because I used to think meditation was bonkers. I was like the ultimate skeptic. And now I'm like, oh, this is good stuff. So come listen. We won't be all judgy and weird. We'll make it really fun. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carla. And thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you bring some some self-care, some self-compassion, some forgiveness and fun and outside time, all of that into your life today. Seize the moment. We never know. Life is short. So bring it into your life today. If you have any questions, you're welcome to email me at 
hunter at mindfulmamamentor.com. And it always helps if you subscribe and leave a rating. Check out this awesome rating, you guys. It's, this is so cool. From KCCC2, she said that she absolutely loved this episode. I'm truly struggling with timeouts and it wasn't working. And I started to get curious as to why it's not. I loved your advice about time in and for the parent to take a timeout. Your guest was spot on and I love the advice you gave. My favorite new podcast. Yay! Thank you so much, KCCC2. I really appreciate that. That's great. And that really goes to a lot of the things we learn. We, we turn some conventional wisdom on its head in the Mindful Parenting course free training that's going to be happening really, really soon. If you haven't signed up, sign up over at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. And you're going to learn why your kids aren't listening to you, what punishment really teaches, the parenting truth that every pediatrician gets wrong, and how to create cooperative kids without losing your temper. And this is a really unique opportunity to have live in-person teaching every single day. So make sure you sign up. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see you there. Tell your friends about it too. This is only happens, but very infrequently. So seize the moment, my friend. And oh my gosh, you're not even going to believe what's coming up in the next episode. Who's coming up in the next episode? I wish I had a drum roll because in the next episode, I'm going to share with you my conversation with the one and only Dr. Dan Siegel. And he is the author of so many amazing parenting books, Whole Brain Child, Parenting from the Inside Out, etc. And he has a new book called The Yes Brain. And we're going to talk all about that. So don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Okay. All right. That's it. I'm sending you lots of love this week, my friend. And I will see you week with Dr. Dan Siegel. So until then, namaste. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy and there's no roadmap for this. Until now. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way. And there is. Mindful Parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful Parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say that, so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And you can join us for a free live training where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, what punishment really teaches, the parenting truth that every pediatrician gets wrong, and the hidden myth that undermines your parenting. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, 
have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.